With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of HeartlandSports.com. That's Heartland-Sports.com. I'm Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. It's Sugar Bowl time. It's uh, Sooners are in New Orleans getting ready to play Auburn Monday nights. A lot to talk about again in this uh, episode of the podcast. Um, let's bring in the guy who sounds like he's broadcasting from his mother's basement. Rich, how you doing, man? How was which, Christmas? Which is not true. Christmas is great, you know, when you're not flying drones and grabbing a hold of them and cutting yourself subsequently as part of the consequence for grabbing onto a um, quadcopter, however you want to label that. Outside of that, like I said, man, Christmas was great. And how's mom's basement? Dude, it's not. I'm, I'm sitting in your office, like, staring at you. Is this mom's basement? I'm just saying. It Are sounds like it just sounds like it sounds basement? like you're in mom's basement. That's maybe, all I'm saying. Maybe things will change when we um, actually publish this thing. Maybe, but then they won't know what we're talking about. They'll be like, why is he talking about mom's basement? I live in mom's basement. What's wrong with that? Not, I mean, that's just like Joe Fan listening. I just said all of our listeners, just that one. Not all of our listeners live in Mom's basement, just that one. And you know who you are, that one person who lives in, in Mom's basement. I think his name is probably Tony. And what would you think? If a guy lived in Mom's basement, what what kind of first name would he have? Gus. Gus? Yeah, which I know is a little bit odd since we're, we're talking Sugar Bowl preview Gus Malzahn. That has nothing Whoa. to do with why I came. Gus Malzahn Gus. lives in his mom's basement. Breaking. <laughs> that is not true. Not true. I'm just saying Gus is, when I think of Gus, I think glasses, snotty-nosed, heavy breather, mom's basement. So Gus is a glass, glasses, snotty-nosed, heavy breather who lives in his mom's basement. Yes, but I am not talking about the Gus Malzahn. I'm, I think Gus Malzahn's a very nice man. I don't know why you would talk about him in this facet. How about, how about we just forget that Gus ever came up and we change it? Hey, did you did you know that Gus Malzahn wrote a letter to my son one time? I did. Yeah, I I'm did. Just saying, it's. I don't have any bias. I, mean, I, I hope the Sooners. For us. I hope the Sooners squish him into the turf in New Orleans. But I just think it's cool that he wrote a letter to my son. My son still has of all his recruiting letters. I think that's the one he kept. But, uh, yeah. So, all right. So, Sooners and Tigers, Auburn number 14 in the country. We talked a little bit um, for those, like, two people who we just offended. By the way, we uh, apologize to all the Gus's and the Tonys that are out there that may be listening to our podcast. Um, we know you don't really live in your mom's basement except for that one person that, again, you know who we're talking about. Um, number 14, Auburn, Oklahoma. Sooners, um, you know – this is a well. You and I don't agree on, on a lot. I think when it comes to this, this game, is true. But I think this game is huge for Oklahoma. I think this game, when you look at the disappointment that started this season with one and three, Auburn almost mirrors that. Well, they do mirror it with a one and three start. They lost down the stretch as well, dropping. Um, I say one and three, one and two. Okay, three game first three games. 
but Auburn dropped, you know, they dropped to Georgia, they dropped to to Alabama at the end of the season. So they don't have the nine game winning streak that Oklahoma bear, brings in the Sugar Bowl with them. But you know, the the one thing that Oklahoma that that kind of that that monkey on the back, so to speak, is that Oklahoma plays in the Big Twelve. And, and automatically that nine-game winning streak is discredited because it's against Big 12 teams, who, by the way, are doing much better than I expected in the bowl. I, we, we're recording this before Oklahoma State plays Colorado, so I don't know how that game's going to shape out. I'm on record picking Colorado to win. But you got to be impressed with Kansas State being Texas A&M. you got to be impressed with, with Baylor ending a nine-game, uh, six-game losing streak and beating Boise State, the only the only you know lump on the log, so to speak, right now is West Virginia, who I picked to beat Miami. So I, I'm I'm 0 for three right now in Big 12 selections. But you got to be impressed with what the Big 12 started. But still, I promise you, Monday night people are going to talk about this nine game winning streak. Whether they're Auburn fans, SEC fans, or network people, they're going to talk about this nine game winning streak, and they're going to say, yeah, okay, they won nine in a row, but it was against the Big 12. I mean, do you at least can you come that far to center with me on that? That this is a big game for Oklahoma because of the way they started the season, because of the discredit for the nine-game winning streak. This this solidifies their turnaround and sets them up for 2017. I can come to the middle of the road, but I'd like to toot my own horn just for a split second because as you and I were discussing the Big 12 bowl games, one of the things that I said could very well happen and actually jumped on board with Kansas State beating Texas A&M while you said it couldn't happen. And I cited maybe one or two reasons. One of those was was health and injury proneness. All of that aside, I'm going to take credit for the Kansas State when I'm in the same boat as you with West Virginia where I thought they would stomp, not necessarily just completely obliterate a team like Miami, but I definitely thought they would win that. On a side note, you're absolutely right. This could be that turning point heading in to next season to build a little bit of momentum as well as restore a little bit of respect to the conference after what had happened at the beginning of the season with a front runner like Oklahoma, with a front runner like TCU, as well as with Baylor and the complete demise not only of the football program, but a lot of what is happening at the university overall. So, yeah, turning point here for sure. Which was more shocking to you? Baylor ending a six-game losing streak and beating Boise State in a bowl game that a lot of us just thought Baylor didn't care anymore. They've already fired their head coach, even though he's he gets to coach the bowl game. They've already hired a new head coach. Shock Linwood said, screw you guys, I'm going home. And he didn't even play in the game. Which one surprises you more? That one or Bill Snyder being the wizard that he is? And besting Kevin Sumlin and Trevor Knight, all the former Sooners, Keith Ford, and and winning that game. Because I mean, A&M got off to a very hot start in that game. And I thought, here it is, man. This is going to be like a 55-16 to 16 type score. But holy cow. I mean, Bill Snyder, he's got, I've said this for a long time. He's got to be the most underrated coach in all of America for what he does at Kansas State. But I bet you, the people in Texas, in the state of Texas, they respect the crud out of this guy. Because he basically owns the state of Texas when it comes to playing football. What I will say about Bill Snyder, and I said the last time you and I sat down to chat, was that you can never doubt the wizard. Bill Snyder is one of the guys who I would say, when, when stacked up against anybody, he gets his players to play at a higher level 
than what many expected that they were capable of doing. So I will say that wasn't a huge surprise to me. Um, but I, on the flip side of that, Baylor, people sitting out, not having Seth Russell available, I never expected them to beat Boise State. That was never anything that crossed my mind. You and I talked about it as well. And so I've got to say with the scenarios that were playing out surrounding the football team, certain players sitting out, choosing to opt out of the bowl game, definitely surprised more by that than I am by Kansas State. But what you really got to ask is what does it do for Kansas State? We know that they're not getting those big-time recruits. We know that they're not necessarily – landing five-star recruits like some of the other programs that are in that region, they rely, at least I believe this, whether this is true or not, I feel as though they rely heavily on a transfer to come in and pick up a lot of the slack. Um, and that's guys coming from community colleges in, in, in Kansas and Bill Snyder recognizing that they have a lot more potential in them and that he has the ability to draw that out of them. So how does it set them up for next year? Will they be one of the, the front runners you shake your head no in disagreement. Can't I can't disagree with that at this point in time. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the Big 12, a lot of stuff going on. Well, a lot of people don't realize how many junior colleges are in the state of Kansas. I mean, it's it, it, it really is a hotbed for junior college recruiting. Um, I, one, of the, one of the most terrific and most tragic moments that happened last night in that bowl game with Kansas State and Texas A&M was, I, I believe it was Jesse Palmer. I can't remember who the who the broadcasters were, but they were talking exactly what you're talking about, about Kansas State, how it sets up for next year and so forth, because they, they're going to return 10 of their 11 offensive starters. And Palmer says, I'm going to quote verbatim, okay? This is how he said it. The problem is the top two quarterbacks in the Big 12 are going to be coming back next year as well, being Baker Mayfield, and the guy at Oklahoma State. <laughs> I mean, he can't. I mean, he can't even think of Mason Rudolph's name. So, I, I and to me, all I thought was at that point, all I thought was this just goes to prove the level of disrespect that the Big Twelve gets because here you have a national broadcaster talking about the top two quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, and he can't even think of Mason Rudolph's name. Now, that's amazing for Oklahoma fans because they thought that's funny. Because they, the top two quarterbacks in the Big 12, Baker Mayfield and the guy at Oklahoma State. But for Oklahoma State fans, and really for the Big 12, it's tragic. Which goes back to this point of this game being, there's a lot of eggs in this basket for Oklahoma. And I, I don't know that you've, you've ever come full circle to give me your opinion on this game. But I think this game is huge. I think this game is probably the biggest game that Bob Stoops has brought a team into and since, since the last time like they were – Yes. I, I think it's because of all this riding. You, you've got you, – think about what's going on here. You've got a massive recruiting shift that's taken place since Trevor Knight beat Alabama in this same setting. They're building and building and building momentum. But you've gone up against the big dogs this year, and you lost, to, you lost bad to Ohio State in Norman – you were embarrassed on opening weekend against Houston at NRG Stadium. This is this is the biggest game of the season. And if, if Oklahoma wins this game, it's their biggest win of the season. And you've got a crud ton of recruits who are wanting to come in and continue the momentum 
What does a loss do for this program? And and again, what does a loss do for the Big 12? Everyone already disrespects let, the Big 12. Let me ask you a quick question because when we talk about the football landscape, dating back to the BCS years, everyone talked about the dominance of the SEC, and rightfully so. However, with the invention, if you will, of the college football playoff, I think we're seeing a little bit of a shift in the landscape of the most dominant conference. And you and I look at the top four in the rankings. You mentioned Ohio State just recently, who didn't even win their conference and is, is playing in the college football playoff. Not only have they won it, but this is the third year of the college football playoff. And they've been in it every, each of the three years. Is that correct? Or did they yeah, because they won it. They won it the first year. Right. And Second then year, do they miss out? See, last year was Oklahoma and Clemson, and in Alabama. I don't remember who Alabama played last year. Honestly, I can't either. I don't think they made it, it last year. Oregon was it? It was. was. Mariota. No, Oregon played in the championship. Right. Against Alabama. I don't know. Uh, regardless. Yeah, I think it was Oregon. My, my question to you is, do you think that we are seeing that shift first? And then and then I'm going to follow it up with a response, okay? Because you haven't answered my question yet. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm getting I, I, you're I'm answering getting my question with, with a question, which my grandma thought was very, very rude. Well, I'll, I'll be rude today. You're going to. And I'm okay with that label. Uh, okay, you're just making just grandma mad. Yes or no? I, I think, yeah, I think, I, I really think the Big 12 is not I, I think there's no, no that's not what I'm asking. Well I'm I'm getting there. Okay. I think people okay. look at the the power five, so to speak, mm -hmm. and they, they consider it to be the power four and the big twelve. Or the the back twelve even. No the big twelve. The Pac twelve is terrible. I agree. I agree, but people don't talk about the Pac-12 in the same way they talk about the Big 12. Some of it is because the Big 12 doesn't have a, a championship game. Some of it is because it's the Big 12 and there's only 10 teams in it. Some of it's because Texas is just terrible right now. But how many how many times did you hear people say a two-loss Pac-12 team would get in over Oklahoma? No, I yes, heard that. I heard it. Time. I heard it about the Big Ten, the ACC, and the, the Big, Big Twelve. The Big and I agree. I, I know. Where, I know where, where you're going. That the Big Ten is the dominant conference no, I, right now. I agree with that. I don't think the S. I think the SEC has Alabama, which I believe is the best team in the country. I agree. I'm not predicting them to win the playoffs, so I to am. speak, but I'm thinking they're the best team in the country. But when you get to those top four, anybody can win. Look back at Oklahoma back in 2000 against Florida State. Florida State was the best team in the country, but Oklahoma beat them. So anything can happen once you get into this this playoff. But that said, the Big Ten, the Big Ten got jobbed, man. The Big Ten deserved to have I Penn agree. State and Ohio State I in. Agree. I believe that Ohio State Michigan game should have been an elimination game. The loser of that game is out, and that's what happened with Michigan. And the winner of the Big Ten championship which was always going to be Penn State, in my opinion, is in. But Penn State's, they're at the Rose Bowl, whatever. But I think I think the Big Ten is the best conference in America right now. And, and I think you look at the Big 12, and you look at the perception. There's the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. And I don't necessarily agree that it's in that order. I mean, maybe I'm just a homer, but I, I'll take the Big 12 – over the Pac-12, I will. I, I think I think Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma State, I think they could have won the Pac-12. 
But I could be wrong on that because I, I live in this region. And the Pac-12 people probably feel the same way about the Big 12. They're probably looking at Colorado, the runner-up, and say, you put Colorado in the Big 12, which, by the way, I've been there, done that. And then Colorado wins the Big 12. But I'd take, I'd take the Big 12 over, over the Pac-12, and I would take the ACC at this point. I would take the ACC over the SEC. To me, I think the ACC is the second-best conference in America. What do you think? We're going to disagree on where the conference is ranked. But what, I, what I'm trying to get at least my point across to you and trying to get you to see is that when it comes down to it, I don't think Auburn's going to steal any recruits from Oklahoma. Um, so when we talk about this being the, the biggest game for the conference, it may very well be the biggest game for the conference, but I don't think it's the biggest game that Bob Stoops has ever coached in. I don't think it even comes close to being that. And it's because of what I just said, where I don't think Auburn's competing necessarily for the same recruits that, that Oklahoma's trying to get. There are other programs that could easily still, you look at a Houston, Houston's a hotbed for recruiting. Of course, some of those will go to LSU. Some of those will go to Alabama and some may even go to Auburn, but Auburn, I, I would think has to be ranked at least below those two, if not those three, when it comes to schools in that area. And then you throw Texas A&M into the mix as well. So I'm saying, is it the biggest game of this bowl season for the Big 12? Yes. Is it the biggest game for Bob Stoops in recruiting? No. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, okay, let me, let me reference back for just a second. I don't think it's the biggest game Bob Stoops has ever coached in. But I think it's the biggest game since the last time they were in the Sugar Bowl. And I agree. I, I don't think Auburn's going to steal any recruits from Oklahoma. But Texas might. I mean, Tom Herman is, is the, one of the hottest coaches in the country. And now he's at Texas. I mean, look what he did at Houston recruiting. And now he's gone to Texas. And he's, he's got that fan base. And he's got those resources. And you've got some, some recruits that are going both ways now. They're committed to Oklahoma, but Texas is still in on them. When Oklahoma goes in here and drops an egg in the Sugar Bowl, or they lose this game, a recruit could easily say, well, if I'm going to have to go and try to build something, I might as well go to Texas. Because Oklahoma's, if Oklahoma loses this game, all they're, all they're saying this season is they can win a, a watered-down Big 12. But when you put them on the national stage against the, quote, big dogs, then they don't, they don't stack up. And so if a recruit, if a high profile recruit is going to help stack up somebody, help build up somebody, they might go to the hottest coach in the country in Tom Herman. But if Oklahoma wins this Peterson, I think he deserves that title as well in Washington. But Pac-12, man, <laughs> there's, there's not going to be a hey, lot. Of, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. Oh, I'm just saying there's not going to be a lot of recruits from this part of the country that Oklahoma is in on that. Peterson's going to steal up in Washington. That's true. I can now, there's some of the California connection that maybe that happens. But what the point I'm making is this game is big because it, it shows Oklahoma's moving in a right direction. This was supposed to be a, quote, championship caliber year. And I think they have a championship caliber offense. But they got some serious holes in their defense. And if they can go out there and they can beat the runner-up to the SEC West... And they can win the Sugar Bowl and Bob Stoops can continue his, quote, domination of the SEC, which I think is pretty dang funny. Because the man, he, he, he's figured out the SEC somehow, some way. 
and I love it. But if they lose this game, I think there could be ramifications. I think some of the recruits this year that are supposed to sign in February could have second thoughts. And I certainly think some of the recruits that they're recruiting for 2018 for that class could definitely have some second thoughts. So I think it's a big game. Um, and we can disagree. That's fine. You guys can listen and can chime in. Hit us up. Let us know you agree or disagree on, on the gravity of this game. But let's talk some X's and O's here for just a second. All right. So you've got on, on Oklahoma offensively, you've got the big dogs. You've, you've got Baker Mayfield. You've got Samaj P. Ryan. You've got Joe Mixon. And you've got D.D. Westbrook. Those When you say who needs to have a big game, it's going to be one of those four. So which one of those four stands out the most to you needing to have a big game and tell me the reason why? Man, that's a good question. I am going to go with a guy like D.D. Westbrook at this point in time because I do feel like he's been one of the catalysts for this Oklahoma offense. And I feel as though when he gets going, obviously it's going to open things up in the running game for a guy like P. Ryan. It's going to open things up if they decide to do some um, quarterback design run plays. Um, however, they plan on using the run game. I see D.D. Westbrook has to be a major part of helping to open that up because we know what Auburn's bring to the field defensively. And they're, in my opinion, their biggest weakness or the biggest question mark is how can they handle an offense the caliber that Oklahoma's bringing to the Sugar Bowl, and more specifically, how can they handle the passing game that Oklahoma's bringing to the Sugar Bowl? And like I said, that all begins with D.D. Westbrook. I'm expecting press coverage, but it's nothing new for him. We've seen that on numerous occasions, yet he still continues to produce. He's not the first, um, is the Bolitnikoff winner for Oklahoma in the history of wide receivers. And we know that Oklahoma's had some pretty good ones. If we wanted just to list some off in recent years, Mark Clayton, Ryan Broyles, Kenny Stills is playing in the NFL. We see all of these receivers who have had great careers at Oklahoma, but none of them have, have achieved the level that D.D. Westbrook has. And I'd like to see him continue that in one of the biggest games of his, if not the biggest game of his career. All good, all good things. I mean, great, great selection, great reasons. I'm going to go a different reason for different reasons. Um, I think it's Joe Mixon. And and I think, you know, you look at all this that's happened in the last two weeks over over this Joe Mixon saga, which hopefully um, the it's it's beginning to be put to rest now. I don't think it will be put to rest, but that story is beginning to be put to rest. But here's the thing. Auburn was third in the SEC in rush defense. 125 yards a game is what they gave up. They only gave up five rushing touchdowns all season long. And, and you, we all know the, the Oklahoma offense centers around Baker Mayfield. And a strong part of Baker Mayfield's game is D.D. Westbrook. But if there's a guy, I mean, the, the Auburn has seen power running backs. It's, it's the SEC for crying out loud. And I love Samaji Ryan. I think he has a great NFL career ahead of him. I think this is probably his final game as a Sooner. But they've seen him. I mean, they, they've seen guys like him. Already this season. What they haven't seen this season is a guy like Joe Mixon. A guy who can go in between the tackles. A guy who can line up in the slot. A guy who can do the wheel route out of the backfield. A guy that has power, strength, and speed. His footwork is second to none. Oklahoma needs Joe Mixon to make things work. He, in my opinion, 
has to be the X factor for this offense because they're playing what I believe is a pretty dang good defense. I think was their season season average is 15 points a game with what they're giving up. Now a lot of that style of play in the SEC they don't they don't have the fast paced spread out run and gun type offense that the Big 12 has. But anytime you're giving up just over two touchdowns for a season, we talk about the great Alabama defense, which I play I think is, is a pretty pretty solid. But Alabama gave up less than 12 points a game this season. So they're three points removed from Alabama in caliber of defense. But what they don't have, what they have to plan for, is a guy like Joe Mixon. And I think Joe Mixon is the, that key player offensively for Oklahoma that has to make things work. And I, I think you might see some wildcat with Joe Mixon. I think you're going to obviously see P. Ryan and Mixon in the backfield together. But Auburn's going to know where Joe Mixon is every single time he's on the field. And the more success a guy like Joe Mixon has, the more means the more success a guy like D.D. Westbrook's going to have. When you got to give extra attention to Joe Mixon, that means you got to give less attention to somebody. And that somebody's probably going to be D.D. Westbrook. But initially, Auburn's going to come out there, and they're going to roll a safety over the top of D.D. and try to stop Joe Mixon with their linebackers. And if Joe Mixon can can win that battle, and then you got to commit a safety to be on the same side of field to follow Joe Mixon in motion, whatever, then you've you've opened D.D. Westbrook into one on one, and that's where D.D. thrives. And so that's why I think Joe Mixon is the guy that Oklahoma's offense he's he's got to be spot on with that with the understanding that so does Baker Mayfield. What thoughts? I don't disagree with it, and with your football knowledge and, and backing it up. It definitely makes sense, and I feel like we're um, basically attacking the same point from two different angles and saying, yeah, I expect Joe Mixon to be a, a vital part of the game if OU's going to win, but my anticipation from what I've seen is that the expectation is for the strong safety to already commit to stopping the run because Oklahoma has a top 25 rushing offense. I, I don't know where they rank when it comes to to the passing game. I haven't looked that up at this point in time, but I do know they rank inside the top 25 when it comes to a rushing offense. So my mindset is one of Auburn's looking to stop the run first and make Oklahoma pass because when you start throwing a lot, the um, potential for turnovers increases greatly. Sure, running the ball, the potential for a turnover is there as well, but with that ball in the air, if it ever gets tipped, at the line of scrimmage. So again, I'm sticking with D.D. Westbrook as the player who has to have the best game. You're going to stick with Joe Mixon. Um, and I know that we're not going to bring each other to one side or the other, but I think we can agree in saying that those are two guys who will and are expected to produce in this game in order for Oklahoma to get a win. Yeah, I'm not trying to bring you to my side. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm right and you're wrong. That's that's not at all where nice. or I'm trying to, nice. where I'm trying to go with this. I I think I mean if again if if I'm if I'm coaching this team, who do I look at as the bigger threat? Smaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, or Dee Westbrook? And I look at Dee Westbrook and I look at that speed and I think there's a home run guy right there. And so I'm saying this guy's not going to beat me. I'm going to bracket him high-low, and he's not going to beat me. To do that means I've got to give two guys to D.D. Westbrook or play a deep zone, cover threes type thing, 
which means Joe Mixon has freedom. And if Joe, the more success Joe Mixon has against a bracket coverage on D.D. Westbrook means you got to give up the bracket coverage to stop Joe Mixon. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm breaking down what I believe is the biggest threat. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's D.D. Westbrook. That means Joe Mixon has to have the bigger game to break up that bracket off of D.D. And watching Oklahoma this year, have you seen another team use the tactic that you're talking about where they're attempting to bracket Westbrook and make another player beat them when it comes to the passing game? Well, not in the passing game, but I think no, no, in, no, I'm just I'm asking if we're talking about schemes and what what you're expecting Auburn to do. If you were the head coach, if you were Gus Malzahn, not living in your mother's basement, but if you were Gus Malzahn and you were calling the shots, that's what you're going to do. I'm asking, is there another team that we've seen attempt to do that to Oklahoma? And my my follow up question really is just were they able to find some success? Did they essentially lay that br- blueprint for Auburn to follow? while we know that Auburn can possibly execute at a higher level than, say, another team who has done it in the past. I think Texas tried to win the line of scrimmage and, 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 and keep Oklahoma's running backs in check. Um, and, and I think we saw the, the reverse happen there. They, they tried to play the running backs, but they left Didi in ISO coverage, and we know what happened with Didi at, at, at the, in the Cotton Bowl. That kind of was the first game in his fantastic October. I think uh, Iowa State tried it. What we're talking about is bracketing Didi and letting uh, and letting you know let try to hit hit the running backs. Um, I think Oklahoma State for you know they they tried it and and then Didi was taken out of the game on what I still believe was a targeting call. I know we're supposed to be biased or not unbiased, but I, I believe that that was a targeting penalty that was missed. And so I do think some teams have tried it. But they've not had success other than Ohio State. Dede Westbrook, and again, he was injured. But the, the Oklahoma's offense was a non-factor against Ohio State because they stopped the run first. And they didn't have to commit a safety over to do it. They won the battle of the line of scrimmage. And so Joe Mixon, Samaje Piran, those guys didn't get loose against Ohio State, except for on a kick return. So I, I look at that, and if I'm if I'm Gus Malzahn, I'm looking back at Oklahoma's schedule, and I'm seeing all these scores, and I'm thinking, hmm, what what's what's the anomaly here? 56 against West Virginia, 38 against Oklahoma State, 45 against Baylor. I'm 56 against Kansas, 66 against Texas Tech. And you get down to the Ohio State game and you see 24 points there. And I'm thinking, well, what, what did Houston do What did with 23 points? What did Ohio State do with 24 points? And I'm looking at them and, and their success. Now, the thing is that Oklahoma has in its favor is there was an injured D.D. Westbrook at that time. And so I think either way, I mean, you got to give those guys attention. But you can't, you can't give double attention to both of them. You can't bracket Didi and shadow Joe. So Oklahoma's going to have to make him pick their poison. And the way you make that happen is, I believe that they're going to come out with a bracket on Didi, and so Joe Mixon's got to be, he's got to be running free. He's got to win that one-on-one battle with the linebacker with his feet or power. He's got to get consistently get in that second level of the defense, and when he does that, you're going to see you're going to see a bracket coverage move into a soft zone, 
And ultimately, the continued success that Joe's able to have, you're going to see it moving to ISO coverage. And at that point, D.D. Westbrook's going to D.D. Westbrook's going to win ISO coverage against any defensive back in the country, in my opinion. Okay. Just my opinion, though. Okay. And I am a little bit biased. All right. So let's flip sides. When you, when you look at Auburn's offense against Oklahoma's defense, who's that guy on Oklahoma's defense? And I've already got my guy in mind, but I want to hear your opinion. Who's that guy on Oklahoma's defense that you're saying, okay, this guy has – we got to hear his name called a whole bunch? Um, you know, when I'm, I'm – I'm going to take your approach to answering this question. And when I'm looking at where Auburn is consistently good, it's when they give the, the ball to Cameron Petway. So I'm going to have to go with um, a linebacker like Jordan, Jordan Evans. Um, who I think needs to have a big game. Number one, in stuffing the run, filling gaps, and making sure that a big, strong back like Petway doesn't get to that second level. Because when he gets to the second level, that's when I'm going to start getting worried. <laughs> because we've seen Oklahoma struggle time and time again this year with stopping opponents, specifically in the running attack. And when you bring a big offensive line and you bring a big running back who can plow people over, like Auburn's going to bring to the field, I am extremely worried. So we do need to have a linebacker, and I'm just singling out Jordan Evans here, um, but a linebacker is going to have to step up and, and have a huge game, may need to lead the Sooners in tackles if Oklahoma wants to win this one. This is the matchup that scares me. The, the, going back to last week's podcast, I, I brought this up. This is the matchup that, that scares me. I, I think Oklahoma's – Oklahoma's hope in this game is that their offense can be a fast-paced, quick-strike offense because I think Auburn has the ability to ground and pound Oklahoma's defense. Sooners gave up 160 yards per game on the ground this season, 4.6 yards per carry. And we're having Petway come in here, who I think is an underrated running back. And so, yeah. Mike, go ahead. I know he missed four games this season. Oh, I get it, yeah. Still, still led Auburn. In rushing yards and averages 128, I think it's 128.4 to be exact. I'd have to go back and look at that article I wrote, but those are some lofty numbers. So continue. Well, on. well I, say, I don't look at I look at yards per game, but what I look at even more so than yards per game because yards per game can't always tell the story because they, they don't yards per game don't don't. Um, they don't always indicate game flow. You know, when you got to pass because you're behind or doing a two minute drill or, right, or whatever. Right. I look at yards per carry. Do you know what this kid's averaging yards yeah, per carry? It's, it's over six. Yeah, 6.1 yards per carry. And that's including the 12-carry game for 17 yards that he had against Alabama. So I look at uh, – I think you're spot on with Jordan Evans. And I think Oboe as well is another guy. Right, right. That, I mean, they, this this entire linebacker core. But I, I think you could single out some defensive ends as well. Well, I think your defensive ends are going to have to work on containment. You don't have a, a real big running threat with the quarterback, but you do have a running threat with the quarterback. And I mean, he he didn't I mean he didn't run the ball a whole bunch during the season. But I think your defensive ends are going to have to you know you're going to do that zone read run pass option. And if it's if, if the quarterback keeps it, most likely he's going to throw it. Then you got to have pressure there, and that's where your defensive ends come to play. Um, I, I think I even think you could look at the Oklahoma's cornerbacks here and say they've got to win one-on-one coverage because I think this is opposite of of um, 
of what we're talking about, Oklahoma's offense, I think you sell out to stop the run against Auburn. And if your cornerbacks are able to win one-on-one battles and your defensive ends are able to get pressure in the backfield and hurry throws against Sean White, then you can commit a safety. You can you can throw uh, Will Johnson or Ahmad Thomas in there as a, as a run blitzer. But I think it all is going. I think Jordan Evans is the name we need to hear call consistently. He led Oklahoma in tackles this year with 89. And I think he, he's the guy that you got to hear his name called repeatedly in on the tackle when you're talking about running plays. Because if it's Ahmad Thomas's name or Jordan Parker's name, that means he's in the second level of the defense. But if he's getting, if it's Jordan Evans' name being called when it comes to tackles, then I think um, I think absolutely Oklahoma's winning at the line of scrimmage, and they're not they're they're only giving up two to three yards to carry as opposed to six. The big issue for me when I look at Auburn and their offense is I do feel as though Oklahoma has the potential to make them one-dimensional. Um, and I say that because not being an Auburn fan, not watching them game in and game out, I don't have a lot of confidence in what they're capable of doing when they're throwing the ball. Now, we look at a guy like Sean White. We can talk about his efficiency, 65% of his passes completed to receivers. But he's not... He's not what we've grown accustomed to seeing in the Big 12 when it comes to receivers, when it comes to quarterbacks. And so when we look at that matchup, it's going to be much slower, a lot less attempts, if you're asking me, than what some of these um, people who are in the secondary are used to seeing in the Big 12 for Oklahoma's defense. Again, I just... You're just saying the game pace is going to be different than than a Big 12. No, no, no. I'm just... That may very well be true, but I'm saying I think that this Oklahoma defense, as much as they've been a problem throughout the entire season, as much as they've been a liability, I think they do have a legitimate chance of stuffing the box, attempting to shut down the run, and saying, Sean White, if if Auburn's going to beat us, Sean White's going to have to throw the ball. No, I agree. I agree. And and but the thing is, is that bad coverage is bad coverage. I mean, whether you're, whether you're doing bad coverage, <laughs> you know, true. twelve times in a, in a quarter or three times in a quarter, it's still bad coverage. And and I go back to the Ohio State game because again, you you have you have good athletes and you have bad coverage, and then you have a career night. I can't remember that kid's name, but I think he caught like two passes coming into the game and had like four touchdowns that night. Bad coverage is bad coverage. Now, that was a long time ago, and these defensive backs have progressed, and I think you're spot on. I think I think you absolutely go into this game plan, stop the run, and make Sean White beat you. But if you can't get good coverage from your cornerbacks, then Sean White's going to beat you. Or if you can't make a tackle... Then Sean White's going to be you, right? I don't know. No, I see what you're saying. The game's just going to run yeah. over. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. But what I'm saying is, I'm if I'm yeah. selling out to stop the run, I'm telling my guys on the island, you got to win. You got to yeah. win every I'm, battle, I'm every. And if those guys don't win, then all of a sudden you're, there's a play action, and you got a receiver with a ten yard cushion going downfield. It's game over. Now I will say, Sean White. Is is not as good of a quarterback. We're not talking about the snowboard here. We are not talking about the snowboard. Make sure that you're but, on the same uh, page as me. But um, uh, man, Sean White on the half pike is totally right. No, um, uh, Sean White, the Auburn quarterback, is not as good as what Oklahoma has. I don't, he's not as good as what Oklahoma's facing Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion. 
But I also remember Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury torched Oklahoma. Um, so I mean, you look at the you look at the Houston quarterback, look at Ohio State quarterback. You look at Mason Rudolph with Oklahoma State, and and Sean White doesn't stack up against those guys. He's only thrown nine touchdown passes this right. season. Mm-hmm. But you you give him bad coverage, and he's a, he's a Division One athlete. He's a Division One quarterback, and pretty much any Division One quarterback can make a throw against bad coverage. Oh, you can't be in bad coverage. By the way, um, we, we talked about Petway's yards per carry average. you know what Joe Mixon's is? It's dead even, isn't it? No. Okay. That was my best guess. Seven. Nice. Yeah, so Joe Mixon's seven yards of carry. So, um, again, I think I think Joe Mixon presents Here you go, as – No, I'm just saying, I think he presents as big of a challenge to Auburn as – he presents a big of a challenge to Auburn as as Petway does to Oklahoma, with the caveat that Auburn doesn't have a D.D. Westbrook. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Okay, so let's 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 start wrapping it up. Uh, I do want to talk about Big Twelve again in just a second, but uh, give me um, offensively, give me a couple of keys to the game for you for the Sooners for Oklahoma. Yeah, um, I said for the Sooners, and you said question mark for Oklahoma. Yeah, sorry because the I Auburn Sooners the question. Before it came out of your mouth. So I was already asking it in my mind. It's just a delayed. Uh, Anywho, um, for me, obviously, things are going to start in the trenches. I do think Oklahoma has to successfully run the ball in order to be successful against a team like Auburn. I Like I said with Oklahoma, that they have the potential to make um, Auburn one-dimensional. I, I completely hold that thought when it comes to Auburn's defense and the physicality um, that they're going to bring to the field. I believe that they're capable of at least making Oklahoma one-dimensional as well. But my biggest fear is, um, yes, they must win the trenches, but not necessarily. I said they have to run the ball successfully, but I also believe that they can't give up any sacks. Um, we look at a guy like Carl Lawson, who, in my opinion, regardless of where he ranks on Auburn's board, if he declares for the draft this year, he will be the first Auburn player taken. Um, he's that type of a player, that caliber of a player, has 12 and a half sacks on the season. By all means, he's going to pressure Baker Mayfield. And if he gets there, it could be a very, very long night for the Oklahoma Sooners. So pass protection, I think, would be number two. But rushing the ball, running the ball successfully would be number one for me. Third downs, too. I mean, you got to win. I think both sides of the ball, you got to win third down. Um, okay, so flip script. Defensive, uh, give me a couple keys there. I'm just going to give you one here, and it's because we've already hit on it so hard. I'm just going to kind of piggyback, ride its coattails, if you will, and say that Oklahoma does have to find a way to stop Cameron Petway. If they can't do that, again, they're in for a long night. I think Cameron Petway could have potentially one of his best games of the season against this Oklahoma run defense, but if they're able to stop him, I think they, they – Obviously, this is so stupid to say out loud, but they increase their chances of winning. <laughs> you don't let him score, and it yeah. reminds me. There's a, there's a. I um, mean, we're going back several years, but you know those stupid. Uh, John Madden. No, 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 no. Those, uh, the stupid interviews going into the locker room. Now, I'm not gonna say stupid sideline reporters because some sideline reporters are, are fantastic, like Chris Plank. I mean, we we love Chris Plank. Chris Plank is a friend of ours. 
Um, there, there's some good sideline reporters, but then there's those stupid ones that just they ask because they're they're rushed. And I think it's the the interview, not the person that's interviewing, but just the interview itself. Because you got you've got that coach for like 30 seconds, yeah. and you've got to ask a significant question. Yeah, and you get two chances. Yeah, and and, and so the lady, uh, I can't remember as well, ABC, I can't remember her name, but she's like uh, Coach Stoops uh, coming out of the locker room at halftime. I can't remember what game it was, but I remember the interview. She's like. Coach Stoops, do you feel like that your team's going to have to score points to win this game? Here's a softball. <laughs> Let me just lob it up there. Bob just, Bob just looked at her and was like, um, that's kind of the point, isn't it? And just kind of moved on, you know? And there you are. You're on national TV. You just asked the dumbest question of the day, and millions of viewers just saw it. So sometimes you just have a bad situation, which which makes you think of guys, again, like Chris Plank, who do a really good job. You know, the late Craig Sager, I loved watching his interviews uh, because he had good questions. But good suits. And good suits, yes. Know. Okay, so um, Big 12, 2-1 in the bowls right now. We we talked about uh, we talked about Baylor winning. We talked about Kansas State winning. Um, we and then we talked about West Virginia losing. Particularly with 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 Kansas State's win over Texas A and M, Big Twelve SEC. You you also have TCU Georgia coming up. Now th- this this podcast isn't going to air until Friday, so Oklahoma State and Colorado are going to play before this thing hits the hits the uh, airways. But does that give you any confidence seeing what the Big 12 is doing? Because, again, I had them one and two at this point. Um, is that Does that bleed into this game at all for you? It doesn't. Um, from the simple standpoint of anything can happen in a bowl game. And I say that because you're basically given a month to prepare for a team just because you're favored on paper. By the way, Oklahoma was the only Big 12 school favored in their bowl game. Just because you're favored on paper doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win. And we know from watching enough football, watching enough sports in general, that one or two plays can decide an entire game. So does it give me confidence? No, anything can happen. Okay, so follow-up question to that is, on on a percentage scale of zero to one hundred, what do you think Oklahoma's focus is going into the and I almost gonna call it the the Superdome. I know it's not the Superdome. It's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome now. But growing up, watching the Sugar Bowl and the Superdome, I'm not going to give in a sponsorship and say Mercedes-Benz, even though I've said Mercedes-Benz three times now. Going into that game, what's Oklahoma's focus? On a scale from 0 to 100, there's there's nothing inside of me that, that wants to put it below 100%. So I'm going to ride with my gut instinct here and say that it's 100%. You and I have talked about some of the distractions that could have potentially come up. And I agree with you. What has happened in the past, Joe Mixon specifically, and his persona can be a rallying point for the Oklahoma Sooners. And I definitely think that it is at this point. So I'm saying 100%. Most of these players, the ones who are eligible for the draft, have said that they're coming back unless they're graduating. So it takes a lot of the question marks and a lot of the distractions, in my opinion at least, off the board and allows them to simply play the game as they've played the game all season long. All right, so we're going to get into score predictions here, but I want to talk about the bowl games, and and we're even going to throw Oklahoma State in here, even though they will have already played the Alamo Bowl when, when our podcast goes out into the Internet world. But you got Baylor 31-12 over Boise State. Still shocked by that. West Virginia falls 31-14 to Miami. Kansas State, 
I, I give Kansas State zero chance to win. Uh, good for you, Bill Snyder. Um, but Kansas State, um, by the way, I, I look at this box score. I see Trevor Knight, 30 of 48, 310 yards, three touchdowns. Keith Ford, 10 carries, 86 yards. Uh, seeing former Sooners there just kind of ag- aggravates me a little bit. But um, So now you've got tonight, uh, as the day we're recording this, you've got Oklahoma State, Colorado. Give me your prediction there. Uh, is, is the Big 12 going to carry the day, or does the Pac-12, who we have totally trashed on this podcast, uh, does the Pac-12 runner-up beat the Big 12 runner-up? You know, I think Oklahoma has potential to win this game. but Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? Because Oklahoma, Oklahoma State fans hate it when people Oklahoma, do that. It's like saying the two best quarterbacks in the Big 12, Baker Mayfield and that guy for Oklahoma State. So now I've got Gus and Oklahoma. Um, what else can I add to the list before we're done? I you do. can send those complaints to Rich Decray, rdecray63 <laughs> at gmail.com. I think, I think, I think Juno63. Oh, is it Juno? My bad. 63 at Juno. Um, I do believe that Oklahoma State has the tools. You almost did it again. No, I didn't. I was gathering my thoughts. Leave me alone, okay? This is my <laughs> this is my portion. Let me have it. Um, I do believe Oklahoma State has the potential to test Colorado in some ways that they haven't been tested throughout Pac-12 play. Will they consistently be able to do it is the biggest question mark for me. And so I say that thinking that Oklahoma State has the possibility, has a chance to win, but I'm still leaning towards Colorado. You and I talked about this one could very well be a barn burner. We could see a, a very high-scoring affair, but I'm going to give Colorado the edge at this point in time. Yeah, I think I think I have to agree with you. Um, I hate it because, like I said, we've trashed the Big 12. I mean the Pac-12, and we've trashed the Big 12 to an extent, but I think Colorado wins this game. And it's a game, honestly, I want to be wrong. I mean, I, I, I like to carry the Big 12 banner during bowl season. Is that important to you? or I mean, do you care about that? I do, and I do. As much as it pains me to say this, I do cheer for the teams in orange when it comes to the bowl season. I don't cheer for Texas. I'm just throwing it out there. I'll cheer for Oklahoma State, but I, I so, give I give so Texas no bone at all Texas here. Texas and USC are paired together. Fight on Shut it. victory. Shut it right now. I'm Shut serious, it. man. Shut it. I'm it's, serious. It's Texas and Florida are paired. Chomp, chomp, baby. Come on, man. Man, my my two Come favorite on. teams are the Oklahoma Sooners and whoever's playing Texas. I, I can't do it. You know, if I Texas, cannot root if for Texas. Texas. Is paired against an SEC team, I will cheer for the Big Twelve all day. Nope, right. not me. Because I hate the nope, SEC. Nope, not me. Mississippi State, even. I give me, give me the, give me the Bulldogs over Longhorns. I, I just can't do it, man. I, I cannot. Uh, and, and again, I just there, there, there's. I, I feel like I do a really good job at being impartial when it comes to Bedlam. I do with Bedlam. You don't do think you? I'm? Yes. Uh, I mean, I wrote, I wrote part of the Bedlam previews this year. I, I wrote, I've written a bunch you, of Oklahoma you can State. Be objective when it's asked of you. But knowing you personally, there's no, no way. If, if I go, snowball's chance that I would ever see you as being impartial to if, one or the other. If I go on the radio or on TV, and I'm asked to talk about Oklahoma yes, and Oklahoma like I State, I can be very you impartial. Can be cordial. Yes, impartial, and objective is a good word. Objective when the time calls for. Yes, and I can do that. But not with Texas, man. There, there's not a, there's not a, there's not a thread in my fiber that can be objective when it comes to Texas. And you've seen me, man. You've seen me on ESPN going against the Texas guy. Part of it is the fans. Let's just be honest. Uh, yes, I mean, and I, I get it. I get it 100 where you're coming. I got so much hate mail when I was on whatever that show was a couple years ago for the OU Texas game on ESPN. I got a crud ton of hate mail over that. 
But I just can't do it. There, there's just there's just nothing in me that allows me to be objective towards Texas. I can't do it. And so whoever Texas is playing, I'm going to cheer for Texas. I don't care if it's USC. <laughs> I don't care if it's Alabama. What if it's Oregon? I don't care, Come man. Come dude. I, I do not care who it is. I can't. The only way I could ever cheer for Texas is let, let's say there's a scenario where. Is if a black hole opens up? <laughs> no, but let's say there's a scenario where um, Texas has to win for Oklahoma to benefit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say Texas is 2000 and. Um, 2008. Texas Tech and Texas. Right. You know, now that that was vice versa. That was Texas Tech beating Texas mm-hmm. that it gave OU the Big 12 championship. But if it was over, if, if Texas needed to win that game for OU to win the Big 12 championship, then I would have cheered for Texas because ultimately I'm cheering for OU. But just in general, man, I can't do it, dude. I, I just, I just can't do it. I just, I can't do it. So that said, I, I want, I want Oklahoma State to win because of the Big 12. I want Oklahoma State to win because of the Big 12 banner, but I, more importantly, I still feel like TCU is just going to straight up get thrashed by Georgia Friday. I, I, I don't. I mean, I, of course, I, I was wrong about Texas. About the um, you got me saying Texas now. I was wrong about Kansas State, but I, I feel like TCU has less of a chance to win than I felt like Kansas State did, and I thought Kansas State was at zero, so that means TCU is in the negative chances. So that said, TCU Georgia, who you got? Dude, I'm gonna go with Georgia. At, at this point in time, TCU is just a dumpster fire. For but me. so was Baylor. And we talked about. Um, I, I don't even know his real name anymore. Kenny Hill. Kenny Hill, yeah. Kenny so, the Thrill. Whatever. 362 yards, 15 touchdowns this year. I am looking, looking at him as a guy who I don't think lived up to his potential here in the Big 12 after transferring from Texas A&M. That's beside the point, and when we look at the matchup, I just don't know, with the way things went south so quickly for TCU, that I can get behind them and and even ask a win from them at this point in time. But I feel almost the exact same way about Georgia. Regardless, I'm going to go with Georgia at this point in time, even though I do like Gary Patterson. I think he's one of the better coaches in the business. I like Gary Patterson as a coach. He's I'm not a big fan of the person Gary Patterson, but as a coach, I, I am a fan. Okay, Oklahoma Auburn. Here we are. This is the moment that everyone's waited an hour to hear us uh, talk about right here. So let, let's talk real fast about about this game. Um, over under sixty three point five, sixty three and a half. You got the over. You got the under. I'm taking the under, but just slightly. I am as well, just slightly with the under. All right. So Sooners, I'm not going to ask you to. Give me a prediction. Wait, did you say sixty-five or fifty-five? Sixty-three and a half is the uh, is the over/under. Okay, we're we're good. I'm still still under. Yeah, fifty-three and a half. I take the over, but whatever. Okay, so Sooners are three-point favorites. Um, don't give me your score just yet, but are they going to cover that spread? Yes, I absolutely think they will. Yeah, they cover the three-point spread. Yeah, and you and I sit on opposite sides of the fence when it comes to this. I'm well aware of that at this point in time through multiple discussions. But the fact remains for me what I see from Oklahoma. And if if they can actually do what I'm expecting them to do, then yes. All right. Yes. I, I say no. They don't cover the spread. But So here we go. But, Score prediction. But that means you have them losing. I have Oklahoma Wait, winning. wait, wait. Does that mean I have them losing? Or do I mean I have them winning by less than three? Or by three, exactly. Yeah, that's a push. push. Yeah. My score prediction... Um, you're going to be shocked by this, and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. 
many people may be shocked with this. And I told you guys the last time out that maybe I was playing the role of a homer. Maybe I am playing the role of an eternal optimist. But that is me. And I'm not, I'm not going to deny that or begin to distract myself from being that. So with that said, I've got Oklahoma. This is all due respect to Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator at Auburn. I think he's one of the best out there. But I don't think their offense can get it done. So I've got Oklahoma 34-21. 34-20. Oh, you got Sooners winning by double digits. I do. I, I, I want you to be right. I absolutely want you to be right, but I can't uh, I can't jump on board with that. I've got I, – I mean, let me start by saying I feel like this is going to be a fantastic bowl game. Um, one of the better games of the bowl season, in my opinion. Um, but uh, I think it comes down to a late field goal. And uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about in this is um, – the special teams factor here. I think OU has an advantage both in the, in the return game, punt and kick return. And I think that they may have an advantage with Austin Seibert. And I think Austin Seibert's leg is the difference. I've got OU winning 31-30 on a late field goal. That's my prediction. 31-30. 31-30. 31-30. Sooners on a late field goal. Okay. I don't know how Auburn so, gets to the 30. Yeah. Where they missed an extra point, or they kicked two field goals, or three field goals, I don't, I'm not for sure how they get there. Um, but I got 31-30. Maybe it's them going for two. Oh, that's okay. Let's say they go because for two. Then it would be 30. I have no idea. Anyway, who, who three cares? touchdowns we, we and three field goals gives you Auburn's 30 points. Yeah. But I was right. just thinking a missed, a missed two point conversion. Anywho, cool man. Oh, I thought you were you about to Oklahoma say something. So, I got Oklahoma, Oklahoma win. Yeah, and, and I think it's I think got it's going it. to be a great game, and I'm I'm excited to uh, to watch it. We'll have pregame, postgame coverage at Heartland Sports. That's Heartland-Sports.com. You can pay, uh, pick us out on Twitter at Sports Heartland at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Also, you can find our YouTube channel. Uh, we we throw the podcast out there on YouTube um, every now and then. We also have a, a Oklahoma City Thunder podcast that we throw out there uh, for your listening pleasure as well. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, hit us up on your on, on your thoughts on, on the bowl game. Uh, win or lose, let it, we want to know how you feel about it. Uh, you can write, write us at heartlandsports at yahoo.com, heartland-sports. Actually, I think I always mess this part up. Heartland underscore sports, whatever. It's a dash. Is it a dash? Yes, it is a hyphen. It is a dash. On the website it is, but what about the email? Hey, you know what? Don't email it. Tweet us. Or leave us a comment at heartland-sports.com. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.